Well, good morning, Grace Church. You guys braved the hurricane. You did it. Look at you. My name is Brandon. I'm the pastor here. Um, I'm super excited to continue in our series called At the Movies, where each week we've been looking at a different popular movie and connecting it to uh, truth and values that we find in the Bible. And the reason we do this is at Grace Church, we love to use stories to help communicate the truth and values that we find in God's word. And Jesus did this in his own ministry. And we're actually going to be looking at some of the stories today that Jesus used to help prove a point, to help show the truth that he was trying to communicate to his people. And last week, we looked at one of my favorite childhood movies. If you guys remember, we watched uh, The Lion King. Well, we didn't watch it. We didn't watch the whole movie. We watched a couple clips from it. Um, and, and this week, if you guys couldn't tell, we're watching and checking out the movie Finding Nemo. How many of you guys have seen it? Okay, how many of you guys have seen Finding Dory, the sequel? Okay, also fantastic um, if you haven't seen that. But uh, again, if you haven't seen this, make sure you go home and watch it because um, it really is just one of my favorite animated Disney movies. Um, and it follows the story of Nemo, who's captured by some scuba divers. Um, and, and then it follows his dad's journey. And his dad's name is Marlin as Marlin tries to rescue his son. And what's incredible about this movie and the story of Finding Nemo is that it's kind of like our story. It's similar to, to our story. See, God, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of time, from the first book of the Bible, has been rescuing and pursuing his creation, his people. The beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, God creates everything that we see, the trees, the sun, the moon, the stars, the seas, he separates the land from the water. He does all of these things, and then he creates the first human beings, Adam and Eve. And God says to Adam and Eve, listen, everything I've created, this is, this is yours to enjoy. Go and enjoy it. Like, this is all yours. And then he says, but, just one thing, don't eat from this one tree. Okay, there is one tree. You can have everything else. Just don't eat from this one tree. And parents in the room, you understand that when you tell your kid, don't do this one thing, what does your kid want to do? That one thing, right? And so Adam and Eve, they have this moment where the Satan appears to them in the form of a snake and says, did God really tell you you couldn't eat from that one tree? And Adam and Eve are like, I guess not, and so they eat from the tree, and for the first time ever, God is disobeyed. And Adam and Eve, what do they do? They run, and they hide, because they feel this, this guilt, this shame, this weight, and so they try to get away from God, but listen to God's response. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 says this, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, sounds peaceful, right? The man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Just imagine that God used to just take walks in this garden. It's, it just blows my mind when I read that. And so they're embarrassed, and so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. But listen to this, check this out. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? 
See, God cared about his kids. He wasn't going to leave them. God was going to pursue them. And what we see from this moment on for the rest of the Bible is God pursuing his people. We see God's people disobeying him and him not giving up on them. And Jesus actually illustrated this beautifully in the book of Luke. He, he wanted the people to understand this so clearly that he actually told three stories back to back to back on how God pursues us and lost things being found. And he starts off, he tells the story of a sheep that wanders off and a shepherd that goes to find that one sheep. And then he tells the story of a lost coin. And this woman goes and finds this lost coin. And then finally, where we're going to spend a lot of our time today is he tells the story of the son who chooses to walk away from the father. And see, the truth is, we all have a choice when it comes to God. All of us. We have a choice when it comes to God. And just like we're given a choice, every single day Nemo was given a choice too. See, his dad warned him, listen, don't go too far away, okay? For your own protection, don't, don't swim too far away. I, I, need you, I want you to stay safe. But Nemo decides, I know better than you. Check out this clip. Excuse me, is there anything I can do? I am a scientist, sir. Uh, is there any problem? You know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt things. He, he isn't a good swimmer, and I just think it's a little too soon for him to be out here unsupervised. Well, I can assure you, he's quite safe with me. Look, I'm sure he is. But you have a large class, and he can get lost, you know, from sight if you're not looking. No, I'm not saying you're not looking. Oh, my gosh! Nemo's swimming out the sea! <gasps> Nemo! What do you think you're doing? You're gonna get stuck out there, and I'm gonna have to get you before another fish does. Get back here! I said get back here now! Stop! Take one more move, mister. Don't you dare. If you put one fin on that boat, are you listening to me? Don't touch the boat. Nemo! He touched the butt. You just pounded your little tail right back here, Nemo. That's right. You were in big trouble, young man. Do you hear me? See, Nemo thought he knew better. Nemo chose to disobey his father just like Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, just like the son, the lost son today chose to leave his father. In, in Luke chapter 15, that's where we're going to be today. If you guys want to open up, there's some Bibles on the backs of the seats. We'll have it on the screen. Open up the Bible app on your phone. Luke chapter 15, it's towards the end of your Bible. Um, and we're going to be in verses from 12 on, pretty much. And in verse 12 and 13, this is what it says. To illustrate this point further, Jesus told them a story. He had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild 
living. See, the younger son thought he knew better. The son chose what he wanted. He, he chose rather than what his father would want him to do. He said, this is what I want to do. Now, did someone make the son do this? No. The younger son chose to do this. It was his choice. And the same is true when it comes to our relationship with God. Every single day, every single choice, we are given a decision. Will we choose what God wants for our lives, or are we going to choose what we want for our lives? And this word sin, which ultimately it it separates us from God, and it it means disobeying God and and being selfish towards others. Uh, Jesus is actually asked, he's asked, what are the two greatest commandments? And, And he says, love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. And when we sin or disobey God, we're breaking either one of those commandments or we're breaking both. And while it might not be a popular thing to say, and while it might not be talked about that much anymore, sadly, the Bible tells us that these choices, when we choose ourselves for our entire lives, when we choose to disobey God, when we choose to be selfish towards others, these things separate us from God. Not only that, but the, but the Bible tells us that, that the wages, what, what it costs us for separating ourselves from God is death. And not, not a physical death, right? We'll, we'll all die a physical death. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a spiritual death, a, a spiritual death, an eternity spent separated from God, separated from our Father in heaven that wants to be with us. See, Nemo wanted just unending freedom. Nemo wanted to show his dad, listen, dad, I know better than you. I'm going to touch the the boat or the butt, as they refer to it in the movie, and I'm going to be fine. And don't we do the same to God? God, I, I know better than you. I know better than you, God. But what ends up happening to Nemo is he's captured by these scuba divers and he's put in a fish tank. See, his choice had consequences. And the lost son that we're reading about today, his choices had consequences too. And he ended up in his own kind of fish tank. In verses 14 to 16, listen to this. About the time his money ran out, A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. And so he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs, the lowest of the low. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything anything. So this lost son goes from having an ins- an, his entire her- inheritance given to him to longing to eat what the pigs were eating. His, his choice had consequence. But see, that's not where his story ends. That's not where 
Nemo's story ended, and that's not where your story has to end either. See, no matter where you're at this morning, whether you've never gone all in on Jesus and surrendered your life to him, or you're following Jesus, you've been following Jesus, but you've maybe just been living for yourself, just like we have a choice every single day, God chose to rescue. God chose to rescue. He chose to rescue us. And not only did he choose to rescue us, but in choosing that, God gave 100% of everything that he had for us. John 3.16, which maybe some of you have heard this before, even if, it's your, if you, even if it's your first time in church, this is one of the most quoted passages in all of the Bible. John 3.16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so whether this is your first time in church or your hundredth time in church, whether you believe in God or you don't, whether you read your Bible today or have never opened one, I want you to hear that God loves you and gave everything for you. And you might even be sitting in your, your seat right now thinking to yourself, Brandon, you, you don't know me. You, you don't know how far I am from God. You don't know the things I've done. You don't know how stuck I am right now in my fish tank. I've never been farther from God, Brandon. There's no way God still loves me. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, But God showed his great love for us that even while we were still sinners, Christ came and died for us. Even while we were sinners, even while we were disobeying him, even while we were far from him, God chose to give everything in pursuit of us. God isn't waiting for you to clean up. God isn't waiting for you to learn your Bible. He... He wants you right now. He's not waiting for those things. And then all of a sudden, the switch is going to flip and he's going to say, I want you now. Now that you're clean, I want you now. No, God wants you right now in your mess. He wants you right now in your addiction. He wants you right now in the midst of your marital problems. God wants you right now while you're stuck in your fish tank. And he gave it all. He gave everything that he had so that we could be with him. And there's this, this awesome clip in, in, in Finding Nemo that shows us the lengths that Marlon, Nemo's dad, was willing to go to to rescue his son. Check this out. I live on this reef a long, long way from here. Oh, boy. This is going to be good. I can tell. And my son, Nemo, see, he was mad at me. And maybe he wouldn't have done it if I hadn't been so tough on him. I don't know. Anyway, he swam out in the open water to this boat, and when he was out there, these divers appeared, and I, I tried to stop them, but, but the boat was too fast. So we swam out in the ocean to follow him. We couldn't stop him. And then Nemo's dad, he swims out to the ocean, and they bump into the three ferocious, ferocious sharks. He scares away the sharks by blowing them up. Golly, that's amazing. And then dives thousands of feet straight, straight down, down into the dock. It's like wicked dark down there. You can't see a thing. How's it going, Bob? And the only thing I can see down there is a knife this big, horrible creature with rings and sharp teeth. Nice barrier, man. And then he has to blast his way. Three little fish have been searching the ocean for days on the East Australian current. 
means that he may be on his way here right now. Let's just put him in Sydney Harbour in a matter of days. I mean, it sounds like this guy's gonna stop at nothing until he finds his son. I sure hope he makes it. There's one dedicated father, if you ask me. See, Marlin fought sharks. Marlin went to the depths. Marlin chased a boat. He did anything and everything he could to, to try and rescue his son. And God did the same for us. God sent God sent Jesus to overcome everything for us, to, to overcome everything for us so that we wouldn't have to deal with it. So God, Jesus came and Jesus was vulnerable. He, was, he experienced pain. He experienced hurt. He experienced suffering. He experienced joy. He experienced loss, all of it for us so that we could be with him, so that there would be nothing that would be able to separate us from God's love when we choose to go all in and follow Jesus and surrender our lives to him. There's nothing that can separate us. Romans 8, 38 to 39, two of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, says this, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So maybe you're in this room and you're not a churchy person. In fact, this morning you got dragged here by your girlfriend or your husband or your grandma, as it usually goes. I want you to hear that God isn't mad at you. He's mad about you. And you are his creation that he loves. And he loves you so much that even though you might not be following him right now, he gave up his one and only son, Jesus, to die for you. He's ready to rescue you out of your fish tank. But here's the thing. You have to surrender to him. You have to give up your selfishness and stop saying, I'm trying to live for myself. And instead say, I'm all in on you, Jesus. Whatever you want for my life. See, and, and here's the thing. I think we get this. We, we miss this sometimes. Surrendering it, it, to Jesus, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. It's about relationship. And God is ready to rescue you into that relationship today. Now, maybe you are all in on Jesus. You've been following Jesus, and I, I want this to be maybe a reminder for you of how good he is. Maybe this is a reminder for you of the lengths that he went to to rescue you. So that when you maybe start to think of yourself as better, you start to think that maybe you, you know what's best. You're reminded that it's only through him. To not let your relationship with God become about anything else other than Jesus. And the lost son has this moment. This moment where he realizes, I messed up. 
I was selfish. I disobeyed my father. I need to go back to him. Verse 17, when finally he came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. See, the son thought that when he went back to the father because he was so far messed up, because he had messed up so much, he had disobeyed to the point where he was just so broken. He's like, there is no way my dad's even going to look at me and say that I'm his son. That's what the son was anticipating. I think sometimes we do the same with God. We mess up to the point where we think there's no way God would be able to look at me and say, this is my kid. But listen, verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father ignored all of that and said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. Basically, kill the best calf we have. We must celebrate and feast for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. That's how God will always greet you when you return back to him. The father ran and celebrated his sons. In, in the other stories that Jesus tells, talking about the, the lost coin, the woman celebrates finding the lost coin. The, the shepherd, when he finds the lost sheep, he celebrates finding that sheep. And when we turn from our sin and disobedience towards God, when we turn from that and we choose to follow Jesus, there is a party that happens. <laughs> we celebrate that. Because someone that was stuck in a fish tank is now out of that fish tank. Somebody that was lost is now found. And Marlon, in the movie Finding Nemo, he finally finds Nemo. Spoiler alert, by the way. He finds Nemo, and they're safe. And they're about to go home, and it's this warm, fuzzy moment. But the story doesn't stop there. Check this out. Nemo? Daddy! Nemo? Daddy! Nemo, come on! Tori? Nemo! Daddy! Nemo! I'm coming, Nemo! Daddy! Nemo! Daddy! Oh, thank goodness. It's all right, son. It's going to be okay. Turn around! You're going the wrong way!
to do. Nemo! No! We have to kill all the fish to swim them together. Get out of there now! I know this will work. No, I am not going to lose you again. Dad, there's no time. It's the only way we can save Dory. I can do this. You're right. I know you can. Lucky Finn! Now go! Hurry! Tell all the fish to swim down! Well, you heard my son? Come on! Sorry! You have to tell everybody to swim down together! You understand what I'm saying to you? Swim down! You all want to know if they get free, right? <laughs> yes. They do. And Nemo, he, and Nemo and Dory and Marlin, they all help save however many and whatever kind those fish are. I have no idea. Tuna, maybe? I don't know. Um, I'm a pastor, not a fisherman. See, here's the thing. We weren't rescued to be celebrated. We've been rescued to rescue. And as much as we might want to stay in that feel-good moment, oh, I've gone all in on Jesus. I'm good, right? Is that it? That's it. Like, I'm done. I'm just set. This is it. See, Nemo and his dad, they wanted to stay in that feel-good moment, but Nemo recognized that there were other people that could use his help. In fact, Nemo's able to save them because he learned something while he was stuck in that fish tank. And I think sometimes we get stuck in a fish tank and what we don't realize is that further down the road, God's going to use that to help somebody else. It's the same with our walk with Jesus. When Jesus came back after resurrecting from the dead, he's, he was dead for three days. He, he, raised, he was raised to life again, and he appears to hundreds of followers. And I'm sure that all of those followers wanted that hug-it-out sentimental moment with Jesus, where it's like, Jesus, let's just chill, bro. Let's just hang out. Let's just eat some meals together. But listen to what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is what it's all about. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, those three verses are your mission. Those are my mission. See, if, if, if you have gone in, you've been rescued from your sin and raised into new life following Jesus, you now have a cure. You now have that key to help somebody turn from death and find life. And if we have that, why don't we share it? Why don't we share it? Why are we so hesitant to share the cure that we have? Well, I think there's two reasons. And I think the first one is this, is we downplay the need. We downplay the need. See, Nemo, Nemo could have looked at those fish and said, well, I'm safe. Not my problem. 
right? They got themselves there. They, they shouldn't have gotten stuck in that net. They can get themselves out. They can figure it out. But what would have been the result if Nemo had just left them? Those fish would have died. Those fish never would have gotten safe. In Romans 6.23, we've already talked about this once. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And what this tells us is that we can't simply downplay the fact that we have friends We have neighbors. I have friends. That right now they're living disobedient to God. They're living selfishly. They're living in sin. And because of that, they're separated from him. Their eternity right now is not one that's going to be spent with God. It's one that's going to be spent separated. And so we can't downplay the urgency that that should give us. Like Dan was talking about, I think about these pastors right now in Afghanistan that, that are literally facing death. Like that, that should be their biggest worry. When you and I walk into this church building, we're not worried about, am I going to die when I walk out of this place? These pastors right now are worried that because they follow Jesus, they're not worried, excuse me, they're not worried about the fact that because they're following Jesus, they might die. Their biggest worry is there are people that still need to hear about him. So I need to risk my life because it's that important. It's that important. We have an urgent and important decision, mission to help as many of our friends, neighbors, co-workers, family members know and follow Jesus. That's it. We downplay it. And the second thing that I think it can be hard to share this is we overcomplicate our role. We overcomplicate it. See, here's the thing, and I want you to hear this because I... You know, in student ministry, I heard this for a long time, and then now working with more adults, I I hear this too. Your, Your responsibility is not to rescue someone. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility, my responsibility, is to tell someone about the rescuer. That's our job. So don't put the weight of changing someone's heart on your shoulders because that's a heavy weight that's a weight that's too great for us to carry see our role is to tell people about the rescuer and what's great is it doesn't matter if you've been following jesus for 10 minutes or 10 years you have the same role whether you work at a church, you're in a school, you're, you're a Republican, you're a landscaper, you're a stay-at-home mom, your role is the same. We all have the same mission. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. Listen to this. How can they call on him, being Jesus, to save them unless they believe in him? If they've never 
And, and how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news about Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, your goal is to have beautiful feet. That's your goal. Now, some of you, you can't have beautiful feet. I get it. Your goal is to have beautiful feet. How will anyone know if they haven't heard? How will your neighbor know that Jesus loves them if you don't tell them? How will your coworker know that even in their mess, even in the midst of their mess, God is madly in love with them if you don't tell them? So what are our next steps? Well, if you're in this room and you've never chosen to surrender your life to Jesus because just like choosing to run away from him is our choice, choosing him is also our choice. And so maybe you haven't done that. I don't want you to leave this place this morning without doing that because God is just waiting to rescue you. He's just waiting to rescue you. He's waiting for you to turn from your disobedience and your selfishness and run to him just like Marlon pursued Nemo. He's pursuing you. Just like the father ran down and chased after his son, God is waiting to do the same with you. And so if that's you, I want you to just, in your seat, quietly pray this. God, I have disobeyed you. God, I have been selfish towards others, and I've been running. I know that without Jesus, I'm lost. And so I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Amen. And if you just, I want you to hear that if you just prayed that prayer, just like we saw when the son returned, just like when we, we, we see when the woman finds the coin, just like the shepherd when he finds the sheep, there is a a party that's happening. So if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, find somebody wearing an I Can Help shirt and tell them. Talk to me. Find Dan in, in the Connection Center. Talk to Jake Suhaki, our life groups director. Talk to somebody and let them know that you made that decision so we can celebrate with you because what was lost has now been found. Now maybe you are following Jesus, which is Amazing. Your next step, my challenge for you then, is to write down one name that this week you can talk to about Jesus. To write down one name of a person that you can have a spiritual conversation with. Or maybe you write that name down and you put it up on your fridge. And every time you see that name, what you do is you start praying, God, just open doors for me to have some conversations with this person. God, I, I, I pray that you would just continue to work in this person's life. I, I, listen, I know, <laughs> I know it's nerve-wracking talking about Jesus. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I, I, I don't struggle with this. I, I really do. I like to be liked, and I think we all do, and I think that's why we can struggle with this. And I know it can be intimidating, but here's what I, I want to leave you guys with. Remember this, Jesus' final words to his followers before he leaves them. He says, and be sure of this, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when you go to have that conversation, when you sit down with that coworker, when you sit down with your sister-in-law, your mother-in-law, that neighbor, and you're talking about Jesus, remember that in the midst of that conversation, Jesus has promised to be with you. It's worth it, and you've been rescued to rescue. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come here and gather together. I thank you for each person in this room, God, that you have, you want to rescue them. In the midst, God, I thank you that, that you don't wait for us to clean up and and get it all together before you want us, God. You want us right now in the midst of our mess. But God, I pray that it doesn't stop there. I thank you that, that you've given us a mission. God, that we've been rescued to rescue. To share the good news that, that Jesus was, was crucified. He was killed on a cross. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again, defeating death, defeating Everything that would ever hold us back and separate us from you, Jesus conquered all of that. We love you, God. We thank you for another day of life. Help us to glorify you in it. In Jesus' name, amen.